Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and here with me today is Shai Eisman, the CEO and founder of Bubble Skincare. Hi, Shai. Welcome. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you. You know, Shai, I feel like last year in 2021, you burst onto the beauty scene and everyone was talking about you. Investors that I knew, obviously the retail team at Walmart, you know, people were at our team were trying to get an exclusive about, you know, Bubble and what you were doing. But first, tell us a little bit about how you got into beauty and how you started this brand. Awesome. So first of all, thank you for all these kind words. I'm really excited to hear that. Um, so um, my journey in beauty actually started about four years ago. Um, before that, a little bit about my background. I started my BA at 15. I was born and raised in Israel and I started working full-time at the age of 16. Um, and when I was 21, I was actually, after working in performance marketing for about a year and a half, I got introduced to one of Europe and Israel biggest kind of most prominent businessmen, um, who essentially took me under his wing, became my mentor and gave me the opportunity to run companies for him. So I found myself at 21 running a company of about 100 people in the gaming sector in London um, and been spending about four and a half years working in his group and running companies. Um, and then at the age of 25, I started my entrepreneurial journey at first building a startup in the e-commerce space and then getting into beauty after an introduction to one of the most, uh, like one of the biggest CEOs in the beauty industry, the former CEOs and completely falling in love in the category. Um, my passion was always about creating brands that could emotionally connect to consumers. I feel like there's something so special about brands that emotionally connect with consumers to brands that, you know, like something like your cleaning supplies, like you're not necessarily like super excited about them. Um, and I'm also, I'm like a very, I'm very, I'm very passionate about healthcare and health tech as a whole. Um, so the connection between beauty and the emotional connection to the clinical efficacy of skincare just was extremely fascinating to me. Um, and I, I got, after kind of learning and spending a few months learning about the category, I just completely fell in love. And this was the first time that I learned that you don't need to be necessarily a chemist or a dermatologist to start a beauty brand. Um, so I decided to just spend, and I spent eventually over two and a half years just researching the category and just really trying to understand what is available, what is what's what exists, what doesn't exist yet, um, conducting focus groups with hundreds of teens, then conducting quantitative research. So I spent a lot of time just really trying to dive in deep into the category and trying to understand what is still missing and one can, what can you still create that is actually going to make a difference. It's interesting that you said that you started in performance marketing because now that is like such an important tool in beauty today. And I'm wondering, you know, of your past jobs and your past passions and careers, you know, what is really applicable to beauty? I mean, do you find yourself really borrowing from the same mantras or tactics, but just in a different category completely? A hundred percent. So when I was running, so I've been running for about four and a half years a B2C operation in London. And it was, you know, it was in the gaming sector, but it was constantly talking about like acquiring new customers and retaining existing customers and the most kind of advanced ways to retain customers. And it obviously, because it was in gaming, it had so much more kind of um, depth regarding the actual like ability to understand consumers because you could actually like see what they're doing in the game throughout. So we had so much data to really kind of understand the consumer. 
Um, so it was a full kind of B2C operation. Um, it was over a hundred people that were just doing everything related to running. And we've done from TV ads to like, again, like performance marketing on every possible way to really, really complicated retention life cycles. So I've pretty much learned in that experience so much about the D2C side of things. And I really kind of considered myself as like, I wouldn't say like a D2C expert, but that's the only thing I've known for, I would say like eight years before starting Bubble. Um, And then (laughs) I, you know, started working on Bubble, launched Bubble on D2C And then learn that D2C is probably not the right path for us. So that was a really interesting experience as well. So what about you personally, Shai? I mean, were you a beauty junkie, you know, at home? Did you watch your mom or grandmother put on makeup? Like, were you engaged in the category much as a consumer before starting Bubble and before starting to research the larger industry and market? So definitely, but not on the makeup side and not what I would consider as like the beauty side, but more on the clinical side. So I struggle with terrible hormonal acne. So I've tried everything that there is to try. I've really kind of been out there, used spent thousands of dollars on different products and different brands to really try everything. And again, because I struggle with hormonal acne and I specifically struggle with hormonal acne, like during pregnancies and um, it was just like such a terrible experience. I found myself at times like not wanting to leave the house because I felt like my skin looked so terrible. So that's why like when when coming up with the whole concept of bubble and, and working with the team, acne specifically was something that was really close to heart and something that I was really, really passionate about because I feel like it's something that is so connected to mental health and it's so connected to your self-esteem. Um, and it's just overall something that, again, it's like that connection between emotional and clinical and truly, I feel like we're truly changing lives by delivering efficacy on that specific category. So Bubble is a Gen Z focused brand. You know, obviously that's when a lot of people first are experiencing acne and some of the skin issues that we've been talking about for the first time. How would you describe Gen Z? Like, what do you think about them? I mean, you're kind of on the cusp of Gen Z and millennial yourself. So, I mean, it's obviously an important and emotional purchase for you, but what would you say about the larger demographic or psychographic? So I think it's a, it's a really, really, really interesting and different Um, audience than millennials. So I definitely would consider myself as a millennial from a behavioral perspective. Um, And I think like millennials would definitely see, you know, price equals quality. And they're definitely about like finding their boutique stores for their meat and for their vegetables. And for there's like something very D2C in millennials behavior, Um, very specific. Um, I would also say that millennials is like the generation that, you know, grew in like their teen years and their um, like early twenties where with Instagram, which in the beginning was all about that perfect moments, right. And like curating those perfect experiences. Now, the reason why I'm starting by talking about millennials is because Gen Zers are the exact opposite. So, so Gen Zers, so to just quote, we have a community, um, that by now it's, it's, you know, over 6,000 consumers, um, and, um, I, to quote one of the, one of my favorite community members, what can be better than getting your lemons and your skincare in one store? Like what can be more efficient and more <laughs> and better than that? Um, and one, like, uh, one purchase. Um, so they're all about affordability. They're all about value. They're all about great quality 
while delivering value. They're all about really kind of, it's, it's not for them about the image as much as it's about substance. And it's really a, not like they, you would never see a Gen Zers Instagram and would see all these perfect moments. It's always going to be like photo dumps. And it's always going to be like these weird moments of them doing weird stuff. Um, and they're and the average Gen Zer would probably have like five different Instagram accounts. Um, um, so it's like a very, very, very different behavior. Um, there's so much more authentic. There's so much more inclusive and there's so much more real than I would say millennials. Um, and it's just like the truth as, as you know, as they see it is very, very different than like, I would say the much more polished truth, truth of a millennial. I think what I also find is very, very interesting is that, you know, we started working on the brand in around early 2019, late 2018. So we spent like time with hundreds of consumers before the pandemic. And then we saw how the pandemic shifted everything and how the TikTok shifted everything. And their behavior today is so different than what it was three years ago. Um, and the way they look at the world is also so much more different. Like they are so much more educated, educated about skincare. They really could, you know, they are so much more educated because of TikTok and because of Instagram. And it's also really interesting to see the fact that how all these, you know, pieces of content that they consume across YouTube and across TikTok are making them so street smart and so educated, but at the same time, they lack the emotional experience and the real life experience and maturity to really kind of evaluate that from mature eyes that really shows you that like the world is not black and white. So uh, I think like it's very interesting just like their behavior from that perspective, because a lot of it is also the result of kind of understanding so much, but not really experiencing it themselves. This is so interesting to me, Shai, because you've said so much and I feel like on one hand, you're kind of describing, you know, when you're talking about lemons and your skincare, you know, that's what boomers did. You know, it seems like Gen Z has a lot more in common than boomers than maybe millennials. And then the other point that I think is very interesting that you said was this is the idea of, you know, I'm a millennial as well. And just the idea that everything had to be perfectly curated and perfectly, you know, you know, staged for Instagram or YouTube. And, you know, we're seeing the things on TikTok and it's just a totally different world. So when you were kind of concepting this brand and learning these, you know, different aspects about them, you know, why did you maybe say, okay, D to C makes sense, but then Walmart's the right partner, like going back to the lemons and skincare piece of it. And then also like the aesthetic, it's, it's clinical and it's, but it's fun. It doesn't look necessarily like a doctor brand or a dermatologist brand or a chemist brand. I know I said a lot, but please tell me. So about three and a half, I would say almost four years ago, I went into the first focus group and we met, we had focus groups with about 200 um, Gen Zers and I did it myself and it was with eight people at the time and we were sitting in a room together and I brought tons of smoothies and cookies and 50 different beauty products and I just made them talk about skincare for two and a half hours and it was so interesting because I walked into the first focus group thinking as a lot of other entrepreneurs that I know everything that I know exactly what they think that I know exactly, obviously what they care about, 
is about, you know, getting their skin to look amazing when they're older. And what they care about is, you know, ensuring that they don't get any wrinkles. And then I got out of the first focus group and I thought to myself, I was wrong about every possible point. Um, I was absolutely wrong. So from that moment on, we realized that the only way for us to really understand them, again, coming from like being millennials, is to just make them a part of the brand in every possible way. So that we essentially, from day one, they were a part of every decision we made. They were a part of, from thinking about the branding, the mood boards, the name, they chose the name bubble, like thinking about how the packaging would look like, testing the formulations, which products we're launching, which retailer we launch in. Like until this day, there's not a single decision that we make that we don't test with at least 150 to 200 consumers. And until we get an answer and a very clear answer, we don't make a decision. So I kind of, I like to say like, they're the true decision makers in the company. I stopped making any decisions. I know nothing. <laughs> how, did you, um, how did you find these teens and these Gen Zers? You know, like, was it through social? Was it through friends of friends? Like, how did you kind of create this focus group? Because, you know, a lot of brands use that term. I mean, let's be honest, like the Procter & Gamble's and the Unilever's have always had focus groups, but this seems to be a little bit more intimate, a little bit more personal. Yeah. So I just called every person I knew that had teen kids in their home. And I was like, I'm begging you, please get your daughter and 10 of her friends to a room with me. And then I gave like the the person who arranged the focus group, I gave them like a voucher for $150 for like a Sephora or an Ulta of their choice. And then just was essentially like, just sit with me for, for two hours and you're going to get this voucher and your friends are going to have a lot of fun. You're going to test a lot of fun products. And it was amazing because the qualitative learnings that you get from sitting in a room with them and also letting them test products. It's like even one of the main things that we've done came out of these focus groups, um, which is to launch two different moisturizers. So in these focus groups, what we've seen is that 50% of teens love the creamy texture of a moisturizer, and then 50% love the gel-based. And you cannot convince like one that likes one like to like the other. It's just not an option. Like They would feel like one is too heavy for them, or they would feel one is too light for them. So we saw that, for example, and we saw the fact that they love like surprises in the packaging, like they love packaging that feels different and that has like some kind of a surprise element into it. And that's why we chose like very special kind of packaging components in in the process. So, so much of it came from just sitting and listening to them um, that I really give them all the credits like they were like all the insights were there and coming from them. Um, And then when we started really kind of creating the brand and the mood board and the packaging and choosing the formulation and everything like they were a part of like we had 50 um, different consumers testing the formulations before we approved them. And you did these focus groups, I'm assuming in New York and Tel Aviv. Is that right? Yeah, mainly focused on like New York and outside of New York. And we did also in San Francisco. So it was like really wherever we could find teens that would agree to talk to us. (laughs) So tell me, you know, you mentioned a second ago those those vouchers. You mentioned Sephora and Ulta, but ultimately, you know, Bubble launched G2C and very soon after went really big into Walmart. And, you know, I, I love Musab and I know he's no longer there at Walmart. And he was really smart in trying to revamp and 
create a new destination for beauty in Walmart, but why were you interested in Walmart and why were your customers or focus group members interested? It's a really interesting question because obviously I didn't grow up in the U.S., you know, so it wasn't like this. I think a lot of founders, especially ones that grow up in a certain country, will have this vision of like, okay, I know I need to be in this store because this is where I grew up. Like, this is where I know I need to be. But we came to this very much looking at it from a data perspective because I was like, I have no idea where we're supposed to be. I live in New York, of course. Obviously, New York very skews towards Sephora, but New York doesn't represent the rest of the U.S. So let's just ask consumers and let's test that. Um, and then what we've done is we we researched about 1,500 um, teens and we found ourselves after launch at a very interesting point because like a lot of different retailers reached out to us. Um, so it was really shocking to us because we launched D2C only and we assumed that nobody's going to hear about the brand in the first 12 months to 24 months. And then suddenly like day two, one of the largest retailers is reaching out to us. Day four, a second huge retailer is reaching out to us. And we had like six different options within two weeks from launch. And we had to find ourselves like deciding, do we go full chain here? Do we go specialty? Do we go prestige? Do we go, do we go mass? Do we go Walmart? Like it was, do we go drugstore? And it was a crazy decision because, you know, that's the kind of decision that dictates so much about the brand. Um, so we just decided to research. So we conducted research with 1500 teens on like a really amazing research platform that I actually highly recommend. And it was a fully independent research because we wanted it to not be connected to bubble. We wanted to just understand where consumers in the age group that we're targeting are buying skincare and where do they physically, where they physically are at and where can, you know, where do they look for skincare products? And the results were crazy because what we found is one, the most shocking thing was that only 20% of them shop for skincare online. 80% of them shop for it in stores. 58% of them shop in big box retailers. And about 42% actually go physically to Walmart one to two times a month. So it was, you know, seeing this data was something that was like, we have to, like Walmart is definitely the right partner for us. Um, also thinking of a consumer that often doesn't have a credit card that often doesn't have a driving license or rely on their parents' car. Um, being able to be available in nearly 4,000 doors when we are in a point where, you know, it is such a large country, a lot of other retailers are not as accessible, um, and being able to really be available to everyone was something that was, was so exciting for us as we felt like accessibility is such a big part of what we're doing. And we felt like it's a true opportunity to bring best quality skincare and best quality ingredients without compromising on the experience, the packaging, the, the ingredients, or the price um, to really like the most accessible and the largest retailer in the world. So it was, it took us some time, but it was an amazing decision. They've been such an incredible partner since, and we're, we're so, so proud to be working with them. You know, Shai, I know that the challenges of a lot of indie brands when they are moving from D to C to big retail, you know, you hear the stories of getting kicked out of Sephora or getting kicked out of Target or, you know, how challenging it is. You know, it's, it's you know, you're, you're sending maybe 10 times as many packages as you were before. Now, I know you had investment kind of going into this, but what was that like, you know, ramping up to these 4,000 doors, you know, within weeks, months of launching? So it was it was a really crazy process because we launched the brand at the end of November of 2020. 
we had three months of sprinting of like trying to understand the world of retail, because again, I come from like a very online D2C background. Um, and then in February, we signed a contract with Walmart and we had to ship end caps to 3000 doors in June. So it was, it was insane. That's like, it, it probably took like five years of my life. Just that experience of like that four months race. Um, I'm very, very, very grateful and fortunate for the fact that we have an amazing team, like our like sales and operation and supply chain team comes for like their, I think their combined experience is over 70 years in beauty in total. Um, our head of supply chain like has over 25 years of experience in the industry and they're just the masters of like supply chain and really being able to scale operations from zero to a thousand. Um, and that has been a really, really big help because he built our supply chain from day, since day one to scale. Um, and that was something that obviously I wouldn't be able coming with no beauty experience. Like I wouldn't be able to do even 1% of what he did without him. How big is your team? So we have 25 people now and we're hiring for about eight more roles right now. And what roles are you thinking that you need help and support with? Um, so we're growing our retail team. We're growing our marketing team. Um, we're growing our operations team as a whole. Um, there's just so many different things that we're currently I would say hiring is our biggest, like we can't hire fast enough, unfortunately. And it's, it's the biggest thing we're, we're struggling with right now. And I'm wondering, you know, I know you have investors, like we just mentioned, Alexandra and Alexia are well-known in beauty and wellness. Um, and I'm wondering, like, was so much of that investment and obviously your own capital tied up into kind of magnifying your experience in these 4,000 doors? Um, so I definitely would say that like Walmart has been an incredible partner and has been a really, really great kind of support in understanding the struggles of a D2C brand, which I would say is very rare for a retailer. I think they really, they really kind of stepped up and worked really closely with us to understand our struggles, which is, was something that, you know, we couldn't have imagined something better working with the largest retailer in the world. So they've been just an absolutely incredible partner. Um, and we have like incredible investors that have been able to really support and really work hard closely with us to ensure that we do this the right way. And also, again, thankfully, because of our incredible head of supply chain, because, and because of the fact that he built so much of the operation to scale already, there wasn't a lot of, you know, different changes that we had to make in order to fit to, to this scale. Um, and it's, it, it's been crazy, mainly I would say because of the challenges of supply chain in 2021 as a whole. I think it's getting better now, but it's been at, at its worst in 2021. So we found ourselves like needing to, I, I had to like call it like one and 2 a.m. to raw ingredient suppliers to ask for 500 kilos of Portland flour and ask for 300 kilos of lavender water, different things like that. Um, but but we, but it really allowed us to, to scale. And, and we are, again, like we were so grateful to have such incredible pro partners across the board. On that note, Shai, do you think that like, obviously being in a retailer like Walmart, you know, just, which was so crucial in the pandemic and, you know, as we kind of face this potential economic downturn is going to be even more important. Like the fact that one, you're affordable two Gen Z shops there and three, everybody shops there. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also, it is like, I think it's hard for us to remember how big it is truly the largest retailer in the world. Like they, the last stat I've heard is like 50 million people a week in the US or something like that. 
So it's, it's just like the numbers of traffic that goes into these stores and the number of stores and the accessibility that they allow just has been incredible. And I think one of the most amazing things we've seen is the fact that actually our, some of our top stores have been the most rural areas and which that really showed us like, wow, we're truly bringing great quality products to places that didn't have them before. You know, a lot of acne brands or acne-focused brands launched in the last two years. Um, maybe not as much as many have the scale that you do right now. But I'm wondering, you know, there have been a lot of the same brands in this category for a long time. You know, Clean and Clear, Neutrogena, Clearacell, you know, and often those brand founders have told me, you know, the, the new guard have said there's no innovation in this space. But at the same time, these are still the stalwarts and they have been forever. How do you feel about kind of going head to head with them, especially when you are in a Walmart where they're sold and you're very nearby each other in stores? So it's definitely like, I would say 80% of the categories being controlled by old school brands, which is not something that you can say about, you know, the millennial audience or even not the boomer audience. Like Gen Z is really fully focused on old school brands, which has so much room for disruption. With that being said, it's when you really look at ingredients and when you really look at formulations and products, most of these products are one, are not really made to clear your skin while balancing it. I don't know if you struggled with acne in the past, but I remember myself as a teen, like feeling that if it feels like it rips my skin off, then it probably works really, really well. Um, so that's what teens today still use. Um, and one of the things that I think is very, very special and unique about us is the fact that it clears your skin in a very gentle way. And it actually helps you maintain this, the skin's balance and feeling like really hydrated and really healthy while still clearing acne. Um, and I think as a whole, like we bring such a more elevated experience and so much better ingredients. And we have, I, I, I don't like to say the word clean because I feel like there's so much fear mongering in the industry. But with that being said, like we have the most, one of the most kind of advanced off limits list in the industry because we took the approach of if something is even remotely controversial, we're never going to say it's bad for you, but we leave it out. Like we don't want to take any risks. Um, and we educate our consumers about like, why is it controversial and also explain to them if it's not necessarily controversial because it's bad, but more because it doesn't have enough research associated with it or something like that. So I would say that we really bring to the table something that didn't exist in the aisle before and something with the kind of quality and the kind of price. Like our formulations are the kind of formulation you'd usually spend over a hundred dollars to be able to get that kind of quality product. Um, and we we made a conscious decision to like bring best quality formulation and experience while taking a hit on margin because we really, really wanted to bring this very underserved consumer something so much better. So the way we look at it is like it's really an opportunity for us to give them such a better quality options in the stores that never had these options before. What can you tell me about how you guys are doing, you know, in the in in the time that you've been around? I mean, I don't know if you want to share financial shy yeah. or or growth statistics, but you know, give me a sense of like where you guys stand as you guys are stealing market share away from some of these big dogs. So we we had an amazing first year. We're currently a year and a half old. So, you know, we're still a baby brand, still toddler. Um, so still very early stage. Um, but we've definitely like outperformed by over 200% over forecast in year one. Um, and we have 
very, very, very big plans for the future. And we're growing by significant chunks on a yearly basis and actually a monthly basis. Um, it's actually really interesting because we see growth week over week in Walmart. And I think it's something that, you know, we really love seeing while we're building our community. Um, we actually just won supplier of the year with Walmart in March um, out of all of Walmart suppliers, which has been something just so amazing and so incredible and has been, you know, embarrassing and exciting for me to walk on a stage in front of all of Walmart suppliers, considering the fact that we're a tiny brand that hasn't launched a long, long ago. Um and it's definitely, but there's definitely, you know, so much more that we want to do and so much more that we want to achieve. And we want to make the brand significantly more accessible. And we really are, we have like so many new products. We actually just launched a new product three days ago and we have so many new products coming in in the next couple of months that are truly like groundbreaking in the industry. Do you feel like they're filling out the assortment or adding to, you know, existing bestsellers? Definitely. So what is really interesting about our products is that no SKU has more than 15% market share. So I would say it's like, it's like really, really amazing to see the fact that actually like all of the SKUs are performing really, really well. Um, and we are really about a message of simplifying your routine. So it's all about like either treating a certain problem or a certain concern that you have in your skin or that it's about um, specific skin types. So like, you know, for example, we know that some people can't really use a gel cleanser because it's too drying for them. So one of the things that we're working on is a milky cleanser. Um, we're actually going to be releasing our first OTC product um, soon, which we're super excited about that. And we have a lot of really exciting OTC products in the works that will be launched. Like we have a huge roadmap until 2024 with a lot of really, really exciting very clinical products. Last question for you, Shai. You know, Gen Z is a broad swath of ages. You know, like I said, you're on the cusp of Gen Z, although you are a millennial. But some Gen Zers are like eight or nine, I want to say, and they're doing whatever they're doing on Roblox. How are you kind of future-proofing your brand to obviously satisfy the core, which I'm assuming is like 18 to 24, but also preparing for those younger customers as they kind of come into the category? So it's something that we talk a lot about, and it's actually something that has been really interesting for us because we came into the market declaring the words were for teens. And then we received so many messages from so many people saying, wait, I'm 25 years old. Does it mean that I can't use your products? And then we realized, okay, maybe limiting ourselves wasn't such a, you know, wasn't the right choice because it makes so many people think that the products are not for them. So the way we kind of broaden it is we, we talk about young skin and youthful skin, which, you know, also people in much older ages, like my mom's been using the products because, you know, like she wants to have youthful skin and she loves the products. Um, and we have different, we have really very broad categories and like very broad ages, even though I would say the core is really Gen Z. Um, I would say on the younger side, it's really interesting because the main challenge with, you know, the very early teens, like the 10, 11 and 12 year olds, is how do you get them to keep up with your, their routine? So I would say the place where it's really you really see them start, you know, getting into a full regimen and like a full routine is around 13 when they're starting to break out. And that's the moment where they're, they understand that it's more than just something that they, you know, want to use for hygiene reasons, but they actually need it to clear their skin. And that's when we start seeing the shift of like 
from being, you know, a one-time customer and just trying the brand when you're like 10 or 11 as like 13, 14, 15, like they get really, they start repurchasing it every two to three months and use it constantly. So it's been really something that we see those ages and it's something that we talk about and we educate about the fact that these products, you know, can be used by all ages, but it's really kind of the shifts happen and when they're starting to break out around 13. Thank you so much, Shai. It was so great having you and we're really excited to see what Bubble and you do the rest of this year. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure and I'm so excited to be here. So thank you for your time. Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. See you next week. Thank you.